Hello and welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church here in Maryville, Tennessee. We post our Sunday messages here each week, as well as our conversations episodes, which include interviews, special announcements, and in-depth teaching. You can visit vineyardchurch.us to learn more about us or to access the audio archive. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And now, here's the episode. Well, all right. Uh, good to see you guys. Good morning. Hello. Very good. Uh, my name's Aaron, pastor here. Uh, we're going to get to the message in just a minute, but uh, first, just a, a quick building update. We, uh, If you don't know, we have been in a, a, a building process uh, we're moving uh, soon down the street, just one mile down the street across from William Blunt High School. Uh, the update there is we are still on track for August 13th to be our first Sunday in that building. Don't clap. We're holding it loosely. <laughs> it just feels like I'm shocked I'm not telling you that it got delayed. So um, that's just the nature of these things. So we're holding it loosely, but we're still on track for August 13th. So, um, and then for that, I'll just remind you, August 6th, the Sunday prior to that, provided we don't have to move those dates, we'll see still, um, on August 6th, we will not hold services here, we'll just do church online, and then that Sunday night, we'll have an open house at the new building and do some stuff there, um, and then our first sort of regular uh, services will be there tentatively uh, on August 13th, but I'm glad those things are still on track. Our new service times are going to be, lock this away. 9.15 and 11 a.m. 9.15 and 11 a.m. 9.15 and 11 a.m. And if you're like, I choose the 10 and you're nowhere near. I know. <laughs> we did it on, kind of on purpose. If you're like, how did you land on those? I'll tell you. Hours and hours and hours and hours of circular debate. And I don't know if we got it right. We'll probably change it. But for now, 9.15 and 11, we'll hold that loosely as well. But we think those are going to be the best times um, for us to dial into moving forward. Um, so it's kind of, it's getting close guys are looking, you know, like a month out, something like that. Um, that means after today, the current schedule is, is three more Sundays in this building, maybe four. Um, I'm starting to feel feelings about that. I've just been excited about moving and now I'm getting a little sad, you know, um, still way more excited than sad. Uh, but either way, we're getting close and over at the building, things are getting close, you know, the paint's done and they were like, pockets, little parts in the building where it's like, well, this part feels mostly finished. <laughs> and it kind of looks nice now and it's coming together. It's been really exciting. The flooring's gone in. Some of the, some of the big things that make things look and feel a lot differently, some of the larger decorative elements, things like that, are kind of coming into place now. So it's, that's, that's, uh, we're moving right along with that. The patio front got poured. We're excited about that. Um, the parking lot, uh, they'll start pouring the parking lot uh, tomorrow morning, first thing, provided it doesn't rain at all this weekend. I don't know when we're getting a parking lot, guys. If you've been praying for rain, stop it. <laughs> we need, we need, we just need a few days. We just need a few days of dry, and then they'll knock it out in a couple days after that. So anyway, but that's all, it's all going to happen. Um, so there we go. I, I just, while we're here though, I just want to, I want to encourage you some of you have already begun doing this. I, if you have, I want to encourage you to crank it up. If you haven't started doing this yet, would you go, okay, all right, now. All right, we're at, now's the time. I want to encourage you to start praying every single day um, that the Holy Spirit of God would fill that place. 
Um, in, in Acts chapter 2 is the story of Pentecost. We talked about that a few weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, it says that the Holy Spirit came and filled the place. And then two verses later in verse 4, it says that it came and filled the people. It's interesting to me that it filled the building before it filled the place. We're coming. We're on our way. Will you start praying that the Spirit would begin to fill the building even now? Um, that, I, I mean, I'm praying for this. Like, that maybe people who are working there who don't maybe have life with Jesus would begin to feel, what's different? What's, what's different here now? Um, and find themselves drawn to the love of Christ. Like, I just pray, look, look, it's not just a building down the road, you know? It's a sacred place. It's, to use the Celtic language, it's a thin place where the barrier between us and God is thinner than it is. Another, it's a sacred assembly. And so um, would you begin praying now that God would... Set that place apart as sacred, as holy, as a meeting place, as a truly a, a temple. Um, and that the Spirit of God would fill that place. And then when we come and fill the place, it would, it would fill us as well. Um, so please pray in that direction. Okay, uh, let's move on to uh, our message here today. We're starting uh, a new old series because this is part two of our, of our, we've been working our way through the book of Galatians. So if you've been here the last few months, then uh, you know uh, we're studying Galatians, but it's a, it's a lot to cover. So we're doing it in three big chunks, uh, chapters one and two, then three and four, and then five and six. This is chunk two. We're looking at chapters three and four. Uh, we're calling it Liberate. We'll explain that more in the coming weeks. Um, and the first chunk of this, in case you missed it, was called Varnished. So you can get that on the podcast, on the website, uh, if you weren't here, it would be really good to kind of get that background so we're all standing on the same foundation as we now uh, look into chapters 3 and 4, which are pretty pretty tricky. Um, so here's the thing. Here's, I have my ambitious goal for today. Um, it's probably a little too ambitious, but here's the thing. Uh, these first few verses of, of Galatians 3 that we're about to look at are really, really confusing. We, we talked about this at the beginning of the, season, uh, of the series. Uh, the Bible actually really is a difficult book to understand sometimes. Sometimes it's really clear. Sometimes it's tough. This is one of those tough spots that even if you're a Bible nerd and you've read it lots and to- lots of times, you have a tendency to read these verses in Galatians and be like, I don't know, and just keep going. You know, <laughs> Like, I'm not sure, because it's sort of circuitous and, and, and windy. Like, like what Paul's doing, he's presenting an argument, but he's trying to anticipate the questions that he's going to get. So he's raising those questions and then answering those questions. It's not like a text exchange where they can go back and forth. This is a letter that got delivered over the course of weeks. This is, so he has to sort of anticipate where the conversation will go. And the result is that it gets a little windy and it, difficult um, to follow. So here's my goal. I'm going to try to explain it in a way that can be understood, I don't know. And then at the end, I'm going to read the big, gnarly, beautiful chunk of text all in one piece with the goal that when I read it to you in one piece, at the end, you understand it. And if it works, I will be so happy. And if it doesn't work, just don't tell me, okay? Let me, let me enjoy my afternoon, okay? So that's, that's, that's the goal. Uh, Paul's writing this letter to the churches that meet in Galatia. There's an argument in those churches. To put it way too simply, there's a whole group in those churches that says that all Christians, regardless of their background or heritage, all Christians, Jew or Gentile, need to keep the entire law of Moses, the the Torah as it was and is called. 
And they were very adamant about that. So that's one team. We're going to call them Team Circumcision. That's a weird name, I know. But if you were here, again, for the first part of this series, you know that these people were making a really big deal out of circumcision. And you're like, why? That's a strange thing to put so much emphasis on. But it kind of became a litmus test for them. They're like, if you're going to take the law seriously, then we'll know if you do the circumcision thing. So it becomes like their litmus test. Are you going to do this or or not? So uh, that's Team Circumcision because they made such a big deal about it. And there's another group that goes, no, our, our faith is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus, his rescue, his salvation. It's not in the law of Moses. It's not in us keeping all the rules. So like back off and put that knife away. Like, like you're, we don't agree. So that's the second group. We're going to call them team freedom. So there's a clear bias in the titling that I've chosen for those. Um, And Paul is writing to settle this issue once and for all. And Paul is clearly team freedom. So we can say, okay, fair enough. But we need to. It's important that we understand uh, where both of these teams are coming from and and why. And so in order to to do that and understand what the confusion is all about, we need to um, know about the three eras in Israel's history these three distinct eras in their history. And we've got to take a quick tour uh, through each of those. So I'm calling today's sermon, The Era's Tour. (laughs) If you don't know what I'm talking about right now, like what rock are you living under? The Era's Tour is, it's Taylor Swift. (laughs) Oh, Taylor, this one's for the Swifties. She's a treasure, my goodness. I think she's going to take over the world one day. I don't think it's Putin or Biden or Elon Musk. I think it's Taylor. And I, we, we might be better off for it. I don't know. She's taking over the world with this Eras tour that she's doing. So this one's for the Swifties, although I'm not going to say anything else about her. But um, let's begin. That's what we're going to do. The Eras tour. Only with, just so you know, way fewer costume changes. So, all right. Uh, first of the three eras. You ready? The first era is the era of promise. It's very important that we understand the era of promise. And this is really anchored in a couple of stories in Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15. I cannot overstate the importance of those two chapters. What Paul is doing is he's trying to shift the way these young Christians understand the whole story of earth the whole story of creation, the whole story of the Bible, so that they understand it through Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and not through anything else. So here's what happens in, uh, in those chapters. In Genesis 12, God comes to Abraham. Father Abraham, many sons, right? He's got a promise. He says that he's going to make a great nation from Abraham's descendants. And God promises that he's going to bless that great nation. And then in chapter 15, there's this weird and wonderful covenant ceremony that God performs where God vows once again to Abraham to make a great nation from his children. And very importantly, he says that that nation will not only be blessed by God, but through that nation, 
all the nations of the world will be blessed. So there's hope, there's rescue, there's salvation that's coming through Abraham, through Israel, the people of God, and extending to the entire world. These are the lenses of the big picture story that God's doing that we need to understand salvation through. Um, In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, here's what happens. Abram believed the Lord, very important, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. He's righteous because of his faith, because he believed. This is the biggest of big deals. God sets up the whole story that will lead to our entire salvation. It all gets started right there. A covenant promise to bless all nations. And what activated it, what made it real, was Abraham's faith. He believed. As a result, he was counted as righteous. So quickly, uh, with this era of promise, I just want us to notice uh, some of the themes of this arrangement that God set up. First of all, it's pure grace. Guys, it's pure. Abraham is not going to be given a great nation and through that nation bless all the nations because he was a stellar, perfect guy. That's not what it was about. Um, It was about his faith and his faith alone. This is pure grace. Abraham did nothing to earn this. The only thing that Abraham did was believe. He had faith. And I'm going to rewind back to the first chunk that we did on Galatians 1 and 2 and remind you that when the Bible says faith, it doesn't just mean believing that something is true. And that's our default. Oh, I believe that's true, that's true, that's true. Okay, I have faith in that. No. When the Bible talks about faith, it means faith and faithfulness. It's built into the original language there. Faith implies and it's understood faithfulness. The best language for this, I think, is allegiance. To give, our, put our faith in God is to pledge our allegiance to God. We're his now. So faith and faithfulness, submitting to God in everything. So Abraham does this. He puts his faith in God. He submits entirely to God. And as a direct result, he is, this language is important, he's declared righteous. He's made right. Or or literally we could say he was righted, which is probably just because the word sounds so similar, but this made me think of the idea of being knighted. All right, so what happens when a knight is made a knight? Okay, when someone is knighted, what that means is they kneel before the king or the queen, they kneel before the sovereign, and then whatever the ceremony is, they're dubbed or whatever, and then it is declared, you are now a knight of the round table or whatever, okay? That you are knighted. And that's the same way in which we, we are righted. We are made righteous. We kneel in submission to the sovereign overall, and by his decree, not that we earn But by his decree, we are made right. We are righted. Uh, We're made righteous. Another word for this is justified. And this this happens to Abraham because of his faith alone. And the promises that are made through this are really big deal. Righteousness or being righted before God. Um, Faith as the, the, the entry point to the whole thing. Grace, it's an unearned gift. The inheritance, which is... Um, the inheritance as children of God. As God is renewing all things, he's handing it all back to us. Uh, Eternal life, salvation, and this would all come again by way of faith. Now, that's the era of promise. And this era of promise is marked by anticipation. It's marked by anticipation, I think probably obvious reasons, you know, because 
a whole nation that doesn't yet exist has to form. This is going to take many, many generations for it to come to fruition. So there's this sense of sort of waiting for, with bated breath for how the Lord might come and move. Okay, now that's the first era, the era of promise. Um, now we're going to go to the second era of the era's tour. And I have to do a costume change. I'll be right back. It's just a hat. Don't be disappointed. <laughs> when I, when I, went, I went sort of behind the, to be dramatic about it. Um, I don't know if you thought I was going to come out in a skimpy little sequined thing, but uh, <laughs> none of you paid nearly enough for that ticket. Uh, so that's not what we're doing. Uh, okay, so uh, this is a state trooper hat. Got this from Phil Warren, who is a trooper. Uh, thankful for him and for him letting me hopefully not defile a hat that should be given some reverence and recognition. Um, the second era is the era of law. That's the law enforcement officer hat here. Um, I'm going to talk about this for a minute and keep wearing this hat. I know I look ridiculous. You have to keep taking me seriously. These are the silly things that preachers do to get you to remember things, okay? So I'm going to give it a shot. Second era is the era of law. 430 years after the era of promise began, we have the law coming through Moses on Mount Sinai. If you're a church kid, you're definitely familiar with the story. So you can picture Moses coming off the mountain, tablets in hand, Charlton Heston style. Those laws that he had were a summary of God's values for his people and how they were to live their lives. So let me be very clear. We'll get to the rest of the, on the list. But this era of law, the second era, let me hear this, this is important. This era did not replace the era of promise. So it's not out with one and in with the other. No. Um, the era of promise was a covenant with God. Covenants can't be broken. They can't be broken. So this does not take it away and replace it. This was more like an addendum, right? It's an addition. So uh, Galatians 3.17, this is, we're getting now into what Paul's explaining, so we'll be looking at some text along the way. Verse 17, this is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. To be very clear, era two does not end era one. It's not a replacement. It's an addendum. An addendum to an existing document doesn't override or change what's already been agreed to. That would be an amendment. All of the original terms of the promise remain in place. The law was addition, not a change. Okay? It's kind of like um, wearing the same outfit and just adding a hat. It's not really a costume change, like I said it would be. All right? So that's, think of it that way. So if this whole thing isn't like a whole new thing, it's just an addition, then what's the point of it? Paul addresses that question, verse 19. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise, so alongside of, not in place of, alongside the promise, the air promise, to show people their sins. Pretty clear. There's a lot of debate about exactly what this means, and we'll talk about that more in next week, I believe, but I think it's going on. He's just saying that there's plenty of bad behavior going on in the world at the time. And Jesus was coming. And Jesus, when he came, would be the ultimate example of life and purity and abundance and how we should be in every way. The ultimate, perfect example he would teach us how to live and to live fully. But that was going to be a while. 
And people needed to see that their sin was sin. So God gave the law to teach people how to live in the meantime and for them to see, in, in some sense, the ways in which they were against the heart of God. So the law, it was necessary, but it was problematic too. We just think about it. Because with a law, there's a, there's a standard. There's expectations. You've got to get to here. Um, and many of us, all of us, at some point fail to reach that standard. And with that comes law enforcement, right? So Paul said, in that sense, that the law was a curse. Strong language, I know. Let me read verse 10 here. Those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. We're putting our hope in being good. Not good. Those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So we say, as the law brings a standard, we fall short of that standard. So in a real way, we come under the curse of the law. A couple more verses, 11 and 12. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it's through faith that a righteous person has life. That's era one, right? This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it's through obeying the law that a person has life. Okay, here's what we're saying. Stick with me. The law was necessary. It revealed a sense of God's values, God's purposes. It showed us that our sin was sin. It was a good thing. Uh, verse 21 now, is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. So what Paul's saying is the law came and it was good, but it couldn't give life. And life was one of the things that was promised to Abraham. It couldn't, it couldn't justify us. It couldn't make us right. It could identify our sin but it couldn't rescue us from our sin. And so what that means is the law was kind of hampered by this reality that the law brought a curse, that the law was based on works and not grace, that um, the law brought death, that the law was temporary. Um, in chapter 4, Paul explains that the law was a kind of slavery. And he says it's also a kind of a prison. Verse 22 but the scriptures, the law, declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. So, um, as we said, the first era was marked by anticipation. The second era now is marked by slavery. All right, hope that makes sense. Happily, that brings us uh, to the third era of our era's tour, and you'll be delighted to know I have another costume change for that. Go ahead and lower your expectations. It's just another hat. Okay, took me a while to find a hat that just said Jesus on it, but here we go. The third era is Jesus. Um, the era of Jesus. Um, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise that was made in era one. It doesn't end the covenant, it fulfills the covenant. Um, Jesus is the one who comes, makes all things new, 
He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Uh, Verse 22, we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. So I just want to quickly here, I just want to note the parallels, it's all of them, (laughs) between era one and era three. Jesus brings life, Jesus brings salvation, Jesus brings inheritance, Jesus brings salvation, eternal life, righteousness comes by way of faith. Um, All of those things are what we see promised to Abraham. He is the fulfillment. And it comes, again, all by way of faith, by pledging our allegiance, our faith, and faithfulness to King Jesus. And it comes by that alone. And Paul's reiterating that again and again and again. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises of era one that were made to Abraham. Okay, And, very important, even better, Jesus not only fulfilled the promises of era one, but he also solved the problems that came with era two. The problems that came with the law. So some verses again, verse 10, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. Now 13, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. What Paul is saying is we have to understand the work of Christ through the lenses of the covenant with Abraham, not through the law of Moses. It's very, very important. So now the the message of Christianity is this. God made a promise to establish a nation through that nation to bless all peoples, through a Messiah who would come. Jesus is that Messiah. He is that Savior. Jesus is King. And to put it as simply as we possibly can, Jesus is salvation. Jesus is salvation. Guys, all you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. If you're a church kid and you've been around church for a long, long time, then those words may just wash right over you and you not feel the weight of them. Please feel the weight of them. All you need is Jesus. You pledge your allegiance to him. You put your trust in him. You follow him. You're all set. It's all that matters. Jesus is everything. Jesus equals salvation. Now, the big issue in Galatia is this. There are some folks who insisted that that math, that equation was wrong. What they insisted was that the math actually looks like this. You have promise plus law plus Jesus equals salvation. And Paul is writing them basically to say, guys, you look ridiculous wearing two hats. You're not supposed to wear two hats you're kind of missing the whole point. Jesus is everything, and we're saved by faith and faithfulness to him alone. The law, the law was always just pointing to Jesus. Verse 19, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. We looked at that. Here's the next phrase. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. It lasts only until Jesus. It's just as uh, Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5. He did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. He is the perfect 
final picture of holiness and love and peace and joy and rescue and freedom and power and hope and all the best thing. The law, even though it was good, was only a shadow of that. It was not perfect as he is perfect. It was just a shadow. He's the form. All right, hopefully that makes sense. So to put it this way, a different way, um, the law is kind of like a phone booth. I don't know, maybe you've been wondering, why in the world is there a picture of old phones on the screen all day? Um, the law is kind of like a phone booth. Uh, phone booths are not evil. They're good. They're helpful. They provided an important public service. Would Clark Kent ever have become Superman? <laughs> Were it not for the phone booth? It's very helpful to, hey, before you leave the house, make sure you got a quarter in your pocket so you can place a phone call in case of an emergency. All right, phone booths are good. It's just that their era has passed, and now they're irrelevant. Not bad. Irrelevant. Because now we all have these things in our pockets all the time. All the time, because we're addicted to them, and that's another rant. In our pockets, all the time, we don't need to step into a phone booth and put a quarter in. That would be silly if you have one of these in your pocket all the time. you imagine how silly it would actually be if um, we routed all of our phone calls through a phone booth before we actually had the calls? Like if we went to a phone booth, we put in a quarter, and we, we called ourselves, and then from there we forward the call on to the person we wanted to talk to? That would be dumb. That's like exactly what they're doing with the law. They're going, there's this new era, the fulfillment of everything that's been promised has come in Jesus. Let's route that promise through this no longer needed, currently irrelevant system. And you might go, wait a minute, that sounds hard. Like like the laws came from God and it's God's values. Isn't that good? Of course it's good. Phone calls are still good. We just don't use pay phones for them anymore. The values of God, the morals and principles of God, they don't change. It's just a new era. And we see those things most clearly now through Jesus. Just like we can make a phone call most easily with our phones instead of a phone booth. Jesus said, all the law and the prophets, all of it boils down to loving God and loving people. And the clearest, most accurate picture we could ever get of those values lived out is through the life and ministry of Jesus who loved God and loved people to perfection. Guys, again, Jesus is everything. We, I know there's this deep tendency to make faith really complicated, and it's, it's not. Jesus is everything. Jesus is salvation. I know it's tempted to think I have to be a good person in order for God to welcome me. I've got to follow all the rules or I'm going to be rejected. No. You pledge your allegiance to Jesus. He's not looking to see if you've worked your way down a checklist. The truth is, if you pledge your life to Jesus, he will, he will through gratitude and your life with him, he'll change your behavior. That's downriver from here. If you want to be saved, if you want to experience the freedom as opposed to the slavery, it's, guys, it's, it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Okay, now, 
band's going to come up. Remember I said I had this ambitious goal that I was going to try to read this really confusing text in hopes that it would make sense to you. So here we go. Let's give it a shot. I'm going to read quite a few verses here. (laughs) So zero in, focus. I know it's easy to trail off when someone's reading. Try to zero in and see if the words make sense now. We'll start back in chapter 2, verse 16. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. But no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we're found guilty because we've abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I'm a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of law, I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. Because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it's clear No one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it's through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith, very different from the way of law, which says it's through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Okay.
Hopefully that makes sense. So um, just a minute here before the band continues leading us in worship. Just have a little bit of reflection. And you might be thinking, well, just, okay, maybe I, maybe I understand it, maybe I don't. So what? Okay. <laughs> I want to, real quickly, if you're a Christian, there's a so what. If you're not yet a Christian, there's a so what. If, if you're a Christian, I just want to point out, verse 12, it says that the way of faith is very different from the way of law. It's entirely different. If you're a Christian, I want to ask you this. What does your life with Jesus feel like? Does it feel like slavery or does it feel like liberation? Let's go back to that, um, if we can. Yeah, that, that, that list. If you're under the law and you're trying to earn your way, you're trying to be good enough so that God will love and accept you, it will feel like a curse. It will feel like death. It will feel like you're under a guardian, that, that someone's always looking over you, babysitting you. It will feel fragile. It will feel condemning. It will feel like slavery. Even if you have life with Jesus, you can still choose to live under the law. But does it, or does it feel like liberation? Does it feel like freedom? Does it feel like grace and faith and righteousness and blessing and life? And guys, once you step into that, look, the works take care of themselves. They really do. When you embrace and accept the freedom that Christ gives, then you're just going to want to live well for him. And that takes care of the works, okay? But first, you have to accept, this is free. This is free. And if you're not a Christian, I would just say this. It's free. Put it all on Jesus. It's not Jesus plus the law, plus some religious ritual. It's not, it's it's. loves you enough to die for you. He welcomes you now.